Momentum Volleyball is the online Canadian hub for volleyball storytelling, reporting, and event coverage, allowing content creators to connect with fans, coaches, and players. Momentum is the hub for athletes, coaches, and fans to find free and paid volleyball content, and we are proud to be the voice of Canadian volleyball around the world. Head to MomentumVolleyball.ca to subscribe for free and get access to exclusive content and all your Canadian volleyball updates. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Sharp Cuts. Garrett May alongside Josh Nickel. As always, today, our guest, Jake McNeil. Welcome, Jake. Before we get into what I'm sure is going to be a highly intense and fiery conversation, as we always have, just a reminder to all our listeners out there, we are on YouTube now. Sharp Cuts Volleyball. Check us out on YouTube. You can see our beautiful faces. Our YouTube watchers, they know. Uh, We're on there now. Hit that subscribe button. You can comment down below with your thoughts on some of the stuff we've talked about. It's a great way to connect with the listeners and just tell us your feedback. Are we way off? Probably. Are we saying things correctly? Probably not. So hit us up. Let us know. Anyways, with that, Josh, I'm not throwing it to you. I'm going to talk a lot to start the show because I came prepared today. And that is a maybe a first or a second on this show. So we've come out of the Olympics. Olympics are done. Canadians came fifth. And, uh, you know, I've, I, I'm processing. We're dealing with the the fifth place finishes, the losses. And, uh, you know, it got me thinking. And we chatted a little bit about this off camera last week um, about, you know, what is the Canadian identity and what does that look like? for Canadians and is it where it should be uh, and, and how how does that impact our you know our performance on the world tour because we've had some people reach out to us and say hey you know Canadians identity what even is it you know Americans have their kind of yeah we're the best style the Brazilians are tough and emotional um, just across the board so I was curious your guys thoughts and maybe we can get into on uh, the Canadian identity and is it where it should be Hey, don't all speak at once. All right. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll jump in because, uh, when we did our, our quick, uh, you know, meeting for the show, it was two seconds before this and Jake made the joke grit and you didn't laugh Garrett, which reminds me you weren't there, but we actually hired a consultant once for the beach national team. And this is what we came up with as a philosophy, as a program. Like we had to come up with this mission statement and words to define the program. And we came up with grit and the hard part there, Garrett is the, the, the project, like I get how other teams do it. And like the new England Patriots, I'm a big fan of, and they had like, the do your job thing like team sports can buy in because they're all pulling in the same direction the the reason this grit thing never made it to you garrett is i think with the beach team the teams within teams that people just don't buy into it or if it doesn't get said enough or if it's not like a cultural thing it doesn't boil down to the day-to-day that does a beach volleyball federation need an identity because there's so much going on well so like I, i'm confused though grit like you know get her done like hey y'all we're up in canada hey got the grit i'll set up a fence <laughs> with the duct tape out in the back with the buys hey eh? is that like grit like I, I don't I'm confused I get I definitely miss that what the heck are we talking about here gritty like if anybody's a sports fan out there just google the Philadelphia Flyers mascot we're, no no we're not no that's not the Canadian identity stop we're not that's not us or, or wait that's not what they meant right Jake you can hop in here but I remember we had a consultant we tried to come up with this and it just it never felt like it got off the ground maybe because we chose grit Garrett that's why it didn't go anywhere um yeah, it's, an, it's definitely an interesting one. I'll just start by saying, you know, congratulations to those four incredible women. I think it was uh, a very amazing showing by them. I'm sure they would have won more, but definitely congratulations to them. But You I know think- what? This is sharp cuts, Jake. You're being really nice off the start of the show, hopefully endearing yourself to the listeners out there, but not to me. Lame. Um, well, you know. Is what it is, Gare. Sorry, can't can't all can't all please you, buddy. It's very but, nice. Um, you know, I'll, I'll start by saying I, I think I don't absolutely hate the thing. I think it's it didn't really get described well, and I think it is an interesting aspect to like talk about defining a beach volleyball country when it's you know really is boils down to individual teams at the end of the day. But I do like the consider that you know as Canadians we, we always want to battle, right? We we want to be out there and we want to be a team that's tough to put away, whether we're playing our A-plus game or we're not playing our A-plus game. We want to always be out there competing and battling, and I think that's somewhere that we kind of are and we, we need to continue to build towards is just being a tough out no matter what level we're playing at. 
I, I'd agree that we always want to be out there battling. And uh, for those of our listeners who aren't Canadian, I mean, it is kind of a Canadian thing to get in a scrap, throw a few chirps across the ice, drop your baki and gloves and meet out at center ice for a scrap there. But that's yeah, like we like to be in the battle. But, you know, other other countries love to be in the battle, but they actually just win. Like they go and just win the battle. And, you know, we're, we're maybe a little bit happy being in the battle. I'm not sure what Canadian grit means. Does that mean like, uh, hey, we're, we're tough, mean, we, but we I still mean, lose? We got, the, we got the world champions uh, from Canada. Yeah, so, I no, mean, I absolutely. Know, so I don't know if, if it's, you know, we always lose. I don't know if that's a good blanket statement when we have the current women's world champions. So I think that's a bit of a pop there. But um, yeah, it's, I don't know. Yeah, it is true. Like they, and I mean... When I, I look at that I team, though. Dis, I think you're discrediting them a little bit there with the fact that, you know, yeah, they, they put together fifth. But, I mean, they were playing unbelievable until that they ran into that Aussie team who, who played the match of their lives. And it was kind of a tough tough draw at that point and kind of the toughest match of the tournament. And I was talking with your dad today that quarterfinals is the toughest one to win. But, I mean, you can't say all of a sudden that that world championship doesn't mean anything now. That's still a massive a massive stage tournament um, that they were able to put their boots in and win 15, 13 against the Olympic champions. So yeah, for sure. We can just discredit that. No, and don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to, but when I look at that world championship victory and we, I mean, I watched it, we all watched it. We've seen a lot of volleyball. Um, I don't look at that match and I don't see I actually kind of see the antithesis of what we've seen a lot of Canadian volleyball be in the past. Um, I see something different, something unique compared to our what we we might consider the the common Canadian theme. I didn't see a gritty win. I saw a talented win. I saw a team go out there and play well and be great, um, which is kind of different than what. I certainly exuded as a, as a player. I wasn't out there just being better than everybody else. Um, so that's kind of what got me thinking is like, hey, man, we got such a diverse group of people, in, including indoors, sitting, everybody that, uh, you know, what does that really look like for our country when there are other countries who are succeeding, who you can kind of say a few adjectives about them that are pretty common across all their teams. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know that, and I think that's definitely a fair statement. I think it is, it is hard, is because I mean, as Canada, we're a very diverse, diverse country, though, so that is part of our identity. And I think, like you said, though, building those foundations for, you know, this is what we expect when we get on the world tour is really important. So it's definitely an interesting topic. Yeah. So maybe for, for me, Gary, just to give me some examples of what you're thinking, like, because um, to me, when you get down to it. Sponsor clays are completely different than Alex and April as are Carrie and Brooke. But you say like USA has an identity. Like what's an example there? Or Agatha Duda, when you're playing them, are different than Anna Patricia and Rebecca, right? But you're you're saying those countries have an identity. So what, what was the example here? Because I think maybe I'm looking at this by team by team when you're saying if you look at the Federation, you know, if you're playing anybody from Brazil, you're going to get this, right? Is that what you mean by the identity thing? Yeah, I do. I mean, like it's the four or five adjectives that you would use to describe a you know, a, a team from that country that they would all in some form or another kind of embody. Like, for example, I would say that most of our Canadian athletes are polite, nice, you know, social, sociable, like to connect and chat with people. I would say that's a, and I'm, I mean, I'm using stereotypes for sure, but I think stereotypes come from somewhere. It's like, it's an evidence of trends, not necessarily what determines, like not all Canadians are like this, but a lot are. So that's why we think that. Um, so like in other countries and I'll use Brazil as an example, um, Brazil, I would say in my experience, cause I played a lot of Brazilian teams, they're fiery, explosive energy, uh, out on the court, show a ton of kind of emotion with their partners um, when they're out on the court. Uh, those are just three common things that I've seen. I don't want to say all, but almost all of the Brazilian teams I've played against, seen play, kind of exude that. And I think that helps them win. Like, I think those are three things that you look at and you go, well, this is what makes their style a little bit unique and helps give them an edge and advantage against other countries who, you know, are trying to find their way. Like us, no, definitely. Bit. You do you do see it on tour too. I mean, the Germans very technical, you know, very driven towards that side of the game. It is an interesting thing. I just it's hard to yeah, it's hard to kind of wrap our head around what that 
exact Canadian style is for sure. So that is interesting. Yeah. Well, if it's a nice gritty style, like we, we, we like to compete, we respect our opponents, but we're not necessarily the type who would like, you know, cheat to win or like, you know, like, cause we're nice. We like to, you know, like that doesn't help us win in some ways, like in the way I look at it. And I look at our, our beach teams right now, the top teams, they're all very nice people. Like, all of them. I like, I, I wouldn't say that any of them are like ruthless. I wouldn't describe them that way. You know what I mean? Like I, I I'd say, Oh no, he's a nice guy. Oh no, she's nice. Nice girl. Like, uh, you think, you think, I mean, uh, you, you saw, you saw that altercation between Pavin and, uh, the Switzerland blocker, right? And the Olympics, yeah. you, you've, you've watched Grant O'Gorman play enough times, right? You think that all of our players are, are that way. I don't know if I necessarily agree with you there, Garrett. Well, I, I guess when I mean nice, what I mean is, is like when you go to the technical inquiry, um, you know, Canadians are often smiling, you know, like just the attitude you bring to that, that sort of thing. And, and yeah, I wouldn't say that they're, they're lacking comp- competitiveness. I wouldn't say we're lacking intensity. I would just say that we're certainly lacking a bit of a uh, bit of edge to us. I would say that would be my impression, and I don't think that's where it needs to be. So maybe I'm a little bit off. But even even Mel and Sarah, even our most successful team, Mel is one of the nicest people I know. She's 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 sweet. Like she's 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 happy. She like, she, I wouldn't think of her as somebody who's going to go and step on somebody's neck or like, you know, punch somebody out in a, in a scrap. Right. And I mean, she's a world champion, so maybe you don't need that, but I certainly think those types of things help. Well, Gary, you, you were coached by somebody who was extremely focused. Like I think a lot of this stuff, like it, it might be in our nature, but some of it is a learned skill where like, I, I'm sure if we were getting into it with, he's like, there were times where he would big Sally and there was times there would be no Sally. Like he was very calculated in those areas. So if, if we can't identify it and all we can get to is like, we're all really nice people and really polite. Like maybe like, is there one or two things that you would maybe instill in an athlete like you're working with that you think Canadians like this, this is a part of our culture. This is something we can execute. Cause I think, yeah, it, it's really hard to think of a, program identity right now so if we could go the other way and reverse engineer this and say well if we had these traits we would be further ahead right yeah for sure i mean i i for me and this is just my opinion i guess i look to other sports that we are successful you know when you think of canadians and what we're successful at what do you think hockey hockey it's the first thing a lot of people think and you know what's a prototypical canadian hockey player though not just in terms of their game style, but their attitude and their their style of being out on their on the ice. Right. I would say physical, tough, gritty, scrappy fighter like that's what just comes to my mind. Maybe that's wrong. But yeah, but I mean, have you have you have you watched those guys do their interviews after the games and stuff? I mean, they're they're all pretty polite, pretty nice off off. Right. Off the ice as well. Absolutely. It yeah. So it's not the it's not the having nice is bad. It's that they've have something else that seems to really make us successful on mass. And I think it's that that little bit of craziness, a little bit of wildness, and the fact that our sport is a non-contact sport that you don't that craziness doesn't ever play out in a in a physical way. You never have like a I mean I mean you guess you could, but you never doubt they're punching out your opponent or like getting in a physical scrap on the ice or actually bodying somebody out. Cause you gotta be a little bit crazy to do that. And I think what I see in the, you know, Americans and U S to use them as uh, the, the U S and the Brazilians to use them as example, Brazilians are so intense, like a little bit crazy intense, like aggressive mentality. The U S they know they're the best. They got this expectation that they're the best at everything. And that's a little bit, almost unearned in some ways, but it just gives them that kind of edge in a scrap. And I don't see that translating over to our, our volleyball teams. I think it's that contact piece. Like if we treated volleyball a little bit more like it was a contact sport, even though it's not, I think we'd see a little bit more of that, you know, Canadian grit coming out. Like you mentioned, I don't know how we do that though. I'm just offering suggestions with no real, no, no real concrete moves. There, there's something to that grit or that work ethic, because when you brought up the hockey example, as a guy who listens to two or three hockey podcasts a week, like Sidney Crosby's described as a blue collar superstar. Like that guy works his tail off, but he is a superstar. Right. So uh, I think that work ethic that like Grant has, Heather has, even Jake has like there, there's so many Canadian beach volleyball players that we can say like they they work hard. Right. Like it's Sarah Mal, like the I think you list the top players in order. Those are the hardest workers. Right. So it is that maybe too service level. But I think there's got to be something with the work ethic. And then the, the hockey interview thing is a funny 
example too, where I think a lot of people flip the switch on and off. Like Marquise is an extreme competitor, but he can like chill out and be cool and be funny at the beach. Like he's not dialed in. Like, like you watched the last dance, uh, uh, documentary and Michael Jordan seemed like he was switched on all the time where yeah. it seems like volleyball players can switch it off and be jokey and funny. But when it's between the lines, like it's go time, right? Yeah. Yeah. And how on is your on, right? Like I think as a community, our on is pretty, pretty low where, you know, compared to some of these other programs and teams. And I don't know where that comes from. Like where, where does that, is that just your, your country's culture where you grew up? Like, I, I don't know where you get that. So I don't, maybe Josh, you need to go out there and have guys actually fight at practice. I don't know. Just a suggestion. Well, I have a feeling I, I can't confirm or deny this, but having watched the Latvians at a tournament, I feel like they fought before like it seems like they they have some really tough conversations on the court they don't pull any punches the russians don't seem to like each other that much oh yeah I mean, the russians but it's, yeah but it's i mean it's an interesting thing you're bringing up because i mean you look at like phil and nick and they're pretty they're not that all that fiery either right so i no. mean i think it it can really be on a team to team basis i'm not saying you know it's right or wrong i think it's more about finding what works for each individual team and, and how that you can bring that out on the court in a successful way more than anything than saying, you know, each in each team has to play into this Canadian mold. Like, it's like you're saying, like Mel's this happy, sweet, go lucky girl. So when she's out there on the court, when she's playing that way, she's playing her best where Sarah's a lot more intense, a lot more in your face. And she kind of brings that out on the court. So I don't know if it's necessarily we need this for the entire program. I mean, Josh talking about the hard work thing. I think that's a totally separate um, entity of like, of course, like if you want to be the best, we need to put in the ultimate work. I think that that's a, that's definitely a fair point. And that totally makes sense. But I think, I don't know if it's, I don't know, that's just me personally, but I mean, you see the Brazilians losing it on each other a lot, but you see Alisson smiling and, and giving the other team a thumbs up all the time. Like he's not a, He's not looking to kill you through the net, right? He's, you know, he's calling his own touches, for God's sake, out there. Like, and that's an Olympic champion. So, I don't, I don't know. It's an interesting topic, for sure. There's certainly layers to it, because I agree with you completely. Phil's not a rah-rah guy, and I've never spoke to Phil. But when we had Todd on the show, they talked about, they had this mindset that if we play our A-plus game, we're untouchable. Like, they're not yeah. rah-rah guys, but Garrett, they had that American, like you said, like that that confidence or that unwavering thing, which is like, if we're a plus, there's nobody in the world who can touch us. And they don't need to broadcast that, but it's funny just hearing Todd say it on our show and in other interviews that like, we're untouchable if we deliver to what our standard is like. And that's what I mean. I think it's about, you know, if you're that guy that needs to rip the other team's face off. Then you need to do that. Right. But I think that there's lots of examples of people that have, have gone out. And I mean, I'm one of those guys that likes to get fiery, likes to mix it up, likes on the court. But, you know, I know I know some people that are the complete opposite and, and that type of behavior doesn't help them. Right. So I don't know. I don't know if it's like a as much of a country by country thing, but I definitely know what you're saying, that there is those countries do have some identity. So I don't know. It's it's uh, it's an interesting it's, an, it's a really interesting take. Well, I'll take it in a, in a slightly different direction. And I think volleyball compared to other sports is a little bit younger, especially beach volleyball. Right? Totally. It's only been in the Olympics since 96. Um, so it doesn't have the history that some of these other sports do. When you look at a sport like basketball, for example, that and in the NBA, which is kind of the marquee, um, you know, league around the world, you have so many diverse examples of how to get the job done and be great you know you have all these champions who play in such a different way and have a different style that you know you can't point like oh you know this team is like this or this play you know because it's it's so diverse but what you do have is the opportunity for up-and-comers to really have a series of examples of things that they can really pull from and add to their toolbox like you know LeBron growing up, I'm sure, is watching Michael Jordan taking things that he really likes about that, taking things from all these players, right, and adding it to their game. And that the first place that happens in our sport is with your country. You watch your top teams at nationals. You watch them when they play locally, you know, because we don't have the broadcast. So it's who do you see? Where are they? Who are you getting access to? Who are your role models in the sport? And a lot of times it's domestically, right? And so, you know, the country culture thing needs to be there if you also want to help develop the next generation, you know, like what are the things we're passing on to people who are watching us and playing? And if it's either not clear or not accessible, then we don't end up continuing this culture of winning. We got Mel and Sarah, the world champions, like, all right, well, let's get three or four teams in there. Like, let's let's get this going type thing. But if we if we don't capture that and kind of hold on to it tightly, I, I don't think I don't think we we use it that well. Josh, I mean, that, like maybe maybe we're breaking through some ground here for you and the boys there. 
I think definitely. And it, it almost reminds me of that Damian Lillard quote where he talked about like his message was kind of like confidence is almost situational. And he had this funny quote. I just pulled it up for you guys. Um, he was just talking about some guys with their national team are way different than they are in the league. Right. So he goes, uh, who we see every night, sometimes in the NBA, they're completely different when they play for the countries. They got more freedom. Their comfort level is off. It's uh, obvious their, their confidence is sky high. So it's just funny that like, you take a guy who's like maybe a role player with this team and all of a sudden he's a starter on France and all of a sudden he's big dog and Dame Lillard. He's doing all this stuff. It's like, I don't even recognize you, bro. But when I play you Tuesday night in the league, you're nobody, but now you feel like you're on my level. So it's just funny that I think the environment can maybe breathe this. That's why I mean, I really think it is a skill that can be developed. It's just Jake's point is a valid one. It comes back to the team thing versus the, the culture sometimes, but I think there's still some big pieces that team Canada could buy into that would be like this confidence thing, because I think USA basketball, they have a certain attitude. Team Canada hockey has a certain attitude that I think when you're a part of that, you walk in and and that's to me what culture is. What does the room feel like when you walk in? It's not putting grid on the wall or all these slogans. It's like, what do we do day to day? That's what culture is to me. Did you actually put grid on the wall? Uh, we didn't get that far. I think we were supposed to, but we didn't get that far. Well, that's the mistake. I mean, I, I mean, it's pretty obvious. You got to put a picture of gritty and everybody got to flyers gritty up on the wall in, right? with grit, Canadian yeah, grit. That'll get I think it done. That, yeah, I think that uh, Garrett's point is I was just kind of thinking, you know, and I was thinking about, you know, some of my role models, you know, growing up and kind of watching Garrett, watching Grant, but then as well as technology and, and, you know, streams are so readily available and stuff now as well. I think that you can take a lot from other countries as well. Now, I don't think that maybe, you know, 20, 30 years ago, you weren't able to see, you know, Brazil's I mean you can go on Facebook now and see Brazil's nationals and and see these things so I mean it it's a very yeah I think looking looking at it I'm like I totally agree with what you're saying and and I think one thing that I know helps when I was playing is you you do play those guys all the time from your country so when they go out and are successful on the world tour that does say something because you're like hey I can play with that guy I've beaten that guy at home you know so if he's doing this on the world tour, why can't I? And I think that's where um, some of the other countries really build their stuff. But also that's, I mean, getting to play your top teams also becomes an important aspect to your game, right? And that's kind of where the national tour and things, like, I mean, you keep bringing it back to Brazil and USA and they have the two best national tours on the planet. So, I mean, I don't think that that can be kind of snuffed off as not a thing. I mean, their young guys are playing Bruno and Alisson all the time on yeah. their national tour. And I think that that's, so the, you're automatically learning. I mean, we get to, you know, even on the national team, we get to practice against, you know, Sam Schachter, Sam Pedlo. I mean, Ben and Grant are gone. Heather and Brandy are training in Brazil. Sarah and Mel are, are out training in LA. So I don't know if the girls are getting to really draw or like right. when, can you name any times that our national team women have played Mel and Sarah? No. no, Mel came to the beach this summer and it was like people were starstruck because you don't interact with her that wow. much. So people aren't thinking about beating Mel. It's like, is that Melissa at the beach and Mel's class actually talking to them? Of she's course, taking time. But, but I yeah. mean, they're not thinking about beating her. We're not we're not like, hey, when, when are you going to play those girls? So I think that uh, that national tour thing is a real thing. I mean, it's getting readily available watching other. I think you can watch other players. You can learn from other players. You right. can have other styles. I mean, I watched Bruno play hours and hours and hours and hours and hours from this 2016 to 2020. You know, there's a lot of things in my game that are straight from him. Right. But I think it's that, Hey, you know, I play against Grant O'Gorman. I had a good battle with them van open 15, 13, you know, those are the kind of experiences that I think help you get onto the world tour and be like, this guy's in a four star main draw and I'm hanging, I'm hanging with him. I can do this. You know, I think that's the part we're missing more than you know what? Else. I want to so badly disagree with both of you here, but that is such an excellent point, Jake. And and I think kind of in tune with what I'm trying to say here as well is like, if you don't have that game that you're talking about, like Mel and Sarah don't come home and play our team three, four, five ever. It can never be close. And then that team can never go on the world tour and go, hey, we were close with this team. That should give us confidence to beat or be close with this team. Because that is or, definitely a thing. Anytime... Or, you know, we- yeah, sorry. sorry. Anytime you see our third team or a team a not go on the world tour, we struggle. Uh, like all, almost 100% of the time, we struggle immediately because we don't have that. So, I, yeah, I, I did underestimate that, Jake. Good point. Yeah, and I think just, you know, there's something to be said about, hey, we kept it really close with them or they kicked the absolute 
out of us. And hey, we need to learn like yeah. how did that happen as well is a valuable lesson, right? It's like, okay, we're way off here. Our train because you can be training, you think you're working hard, you know, like something kind of being at the Olympics, I was like looking around and just watching everything unfold. And you're like, well, I need to do that better. I need to do that better. Just by being around excellence, you're like, I need to be, I need to, those are some of the things I need to shore up in my own game kind of thing. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I think that that's a really big part that we're, that we're talking about that we're missing, you know? Okay. So lesson here, Josh, is you've got to mandate the top teams come back and play all the teams in a gauntlet style match just in it. Oh, wait, isn't that why everybody wants to leave and hates the national program? Right. Cause they don't want to, okay. Don't want to be made to, yeah. What a, what a conundrum. So my clock started in January, okay? So, like, I'm going to call Ben Sachs. I'm going to call Grant O'Gorman. Don't say that nobody wants to be here. My clock just started, Garrett. My clock just yeah. started. Hey, so, but that's also, a Canadian grit right there, Josh Nickel. But I also think that, you know, I, I'm sure Bruno and Ali Song, when they're at the top of their game, aren't just going around Brazil playing those teams, right? Like, they have a $20,000, $30,000 tournament that they're coming back to play for. So it's meaningful for them, yeah. too, right? Yeah, I, yeah. I don't think it's just they're going to take the time out of their day to, to run the gauntlet of playing these teams that they think are maybe, you know, they're, like they, they're at the end of the day, they're professionals and they have like livelihood and things to do as well. So I think it has to be worth it for them as well. Right? Yeah. I should have mentioned that we actually don't have money to be paying these people to come back and play. So, I mean, the gauntlet yeah. mandate is really the only option that I see. So, I mean, Josh, <laughs> yeah. just, I mean, that's really our only option, right? Well, if we're not going to get sponsors, Gary, we should maybe run like a Patreon program through the show and we can get people <laughs> to pay Sarah and Mel to come back and then hammer right. down the gauntlet. Absolutely. Okay. Speaking, okay. So speaking of Sarah Mel, it kind of moving into our next topic, which is kind of related, um, which kind of had me a little bit fired up when I heard about it. And I'm, I'm, I'm curious if you guys agree with me or not. You probably do, but hopefully one he doesn't so we can get into it. Um, is this kind of culture shift and maybe it's anecdotal, but seeing in Ontario in Canada with the emergence of the NCAA beach scene for young women um, and kind of the emergence of beach volleyball just around the world, we're seeing a lot of young athletes decide early to commit to training full-time beach. Um, heard just recently about a couple of 16-year-old athletes who decided to forego playing club indoors, not going to play at university. They're just going to train beach full-time. I mean, I guess they're seeing Sarah and Mel win the world championships and going, hey, this is a viable path in the sport for me. Um, but kind of making that shift way early and kind of ignoring indoor completely, um, which... To share my opinion, I absolutely flip and hate that and I hate to see it and it it kind of bothers me to my core because that's exactly the thing I went through when I was coming through is like, hey, you're going to commit to one or the other. You're going to pit. Hey, you're gonna, and it's like, no, I'm going to go to university. I'm going to get my education. I'm going to compete indoors. I'm going to be the best player on my team to deal with that. And I'm going to kind of come out of it the better for it as an adult and be ready to hit the world. And so that this switching to beach full time way early, like even before going to university, just bothers me so much. Josh, you probably love it, though. I think, yeah, I'll take the opposite side on this, Garrett. I think uh, I mean, you'll for take me, maybe, it. You love it. You're the B next gen coach. You're trying to tell everybody to do this. Well, I, I don't think it's going to benefit me directly because I, I think the fastest avenue to success for this is on the female side, because like you said, the NCAA route to go play at school and be a full time beach alley where I don't see that opportunity for males. And, and for you, Garrett, I totally agree. You would have given up competition opportunities. You would have given up like those stressful big game things. You would have been given up a team environment to be like a year at that time by yourself at what beach blast on a Sunday night, like training. Like that's, that's exhausting. That's athlete burnout. I don't think you're going to get better versus you were playing indoor in big moments and getting better where uh, a female athlete, like you said, if they're going to focus on it from 16 and then go to uh, hopefully a good school in the NCAA and play beach full time, maybe they're now going on the world tour and they're going to be really good versus uh, you look at the Europeans, we're kind of four or five, six years behind them at most times because their, their athletes are playing national tour, CEVs, youth worlds, doing all that stuff where I don't think it's a mystery that like, you know, us and the Americans are a little bit older at the Olympics than some of these other countries. Right. And I think you can say beach volleyball is an older sport, but I think there's also a youth movement happening, too. And it's a lot of these European countries with the athletes who have focused like Mole and Sorm are not old dudes and they're going to be back in the next cycle and the next cycle. Right. So I think for in Canada right now. The, it's a little bit easier for the women maybe to make that choice than the guys, just because, like I said, the competition route or the university or college route. Was oh, Jake going to get fired up here? My turn. 
I'm no, I'm going to. <laughs> I know it's not a, a popular take on this show, but I'm going to aggressively park pretty in the middle. Come on, <laughs> come on, Jake. No, you know, and, and here's why. Here's here's the thing. I think kind of Josh kind of nailed nailed it with the on the women's side still being able to go and 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 pursue university and and have those highlights highlight moments and you know I just see you know some of my some of the guys that I played against at, at junior world championships and some of the guys that did commit to it very very early and and did move to full time very very early and were in these tournaments and everything and the kind of faster cycle of success that they had and and seeing that I also was a was a high level hockey player. Uh, played a lot of triple A hockey. Was kind of in talks with OHL and stuff like that. And while playing beach volleyball, while playing high school sports, while playing, and I know the value of of that as well. And just learning all the lessons from all the different sports that they can teach you, and and you know, learning how to be a high level athlete and going through the different movements and just becoming a more well rounded athlete and how important that is as well. So I don't know if there's a exact science to you need to commit to playing just one sport early. I mean, you, you look at it and you see like, for instance, that girl that was a cyclist who's, who's now an Olympic champion, went to the RBC grounds and, and was, was a varsity soccer player. So there is something to said, like being a good, solid, well-rounded athlete, but there is also people that are specializing in their craft early mole and Sorum, for, for example, that are excelling in their sport as well. So it's really interesting because we, we do have things like, athlete burnout is a, is a real thing and, and playing one sport 12 months of the year is never really good for you uh mentally physically you know can lead to earlier injuries and stuff so i don't know exactly i mean i'm no scientist I, I, so i don't pretend to know exactly how all those things work but it's it's definitely interesting to see how both sides can be very effective and and both sides can be really passionate so i don't really have a clear all right yeah answer. what an aggressive yeah. park in the middle what a cop out i i who brought I, this I guy my, on the show <laughs> i knew i knew my stance okay and it and i i think that it's important at an early age to to play multiple sports and learn yeah. a bunch of things but at some point you do have to i think if you want to excel as an elite athlete you do have to choose i just don't know if it's as early as 16 you right, know? okay well, my main i'm going to take the counter on your argument about the cyclist because i think that's an amazing story and that's awesome but i can't see a varsity anything starting volleyball and being on the podium after three years because uh, no, no offense to cycling or rowing or those sports you're just a, a physical athlete but i don't see a lot of like ball skill stuff happening like in our sport where in sure. front of the show alex poldma started doing CrossFit and he beat a D1 rower in the rowing contest. And it's like, he's just a volleyball player with long arms. Right. So I think there's, there's certain things where if you're just a physically gifted athlete, you can make that change where I don't see a volleyball player picking up a ball now and being on the podium in Paris. All right. Rebuttals to both of you. dumbasses, <laughs> with the weak takes, both of you. Um, where do I even begin? So who is Canada's best female beach volleyball player of all time. Melissa Humanopredis. Oh, you're going to go Melissa. I think Melissa's, if we, if we're treating this like all the skills and we're doing everything, I think Melissa's better than Sarah. I think Sarah does her job extremely well. Sarah's extremely physically gifted, but as far as volleyball, I think Melissa's better at volleyball than Sarah. Is. All right. Well, I'm glad we went here then. Cause now we got argument number two. Cause you're totally <laughs> wrong. Josh, are you effing kidding me? But okay. Assuming it's Sarah Pavin because it is. And Josh's answer is completely best wrong. Best defender, best setter, best server in the world. Which so hundred percent is. Keep going, yeah. I mean, Sarah's <laughs> at the Olympics with Heather. No problem. Melissa without Sarah. Nowhere even close. I love you, Melissa, but like, are we? Okay. Anyways, Sarah moves over from indoors, a full indoor career moves over and dominates at the beach. I know another gold medalist at the Olympics who did that exact same thing. A pretty recent gold medalist Olympics and Alex Kleinman full indoor career. Oh, makes the switch to beach dominates, right? A I mean, late you're talking about switcher, pretty physically gifted human. You're being. talking about unicorns here. Your I, anecdotal evidence is not evidence here. Well, Hey, we're talking about gold. If you want to be the gold medalist, right? Like, Hey, if you're not trying to win, do whatever you want, commit whenever you want. I don't care. You want to play. You don't want to play indoor. Don't play indoor. Like, I don't care. <laughs> like if we're talking about, you're trying to so win the gold medal, right? Wait, so you're saying that you think that Sarah Pavin would 
not be as good a beach player right now if she didn't play all those years of indoor. 100%. played all those years. That is my point. Because what she had to deal with as an indoor player, she's bringing to the beach and it's made her game unique, strong, and she can really flex on the things that indoor really values. On the beach is a huge asset. Massive block, which she did a ton on the right side on national teams. Pounding, sea balls, back row balls, pounding from off the net. You got to be able to hit in beach volleyball. It hates me when people just try to cut and roll shot around 100% of the time. She's pounding, right? And she, I mean... I think her serve is probably not, the, I'd say the weakest part of her game is still a pretty good serve. And Certainly that's something in indoors you're taking a full rip as well. <laughs> I, rest, I rest my case. You think Sarah's better at volleyball, though, than Melissa. I think Sarah's very good at two or three things that help with her physical gifts. I think as far as volleyball goes, Melissa's a better volleyball player. Yeah, I think it's interesting. You're, you're talking about who's got better skills. I don't I mean we're I don't we're really care. To, we're trying to compare a I mean I think what you're trying to do is very difficult. You're trying to compare a goalie to a forward right now, you know, and trying to compare a blocker against defender. Yeah, and we're going to keep trying to do it there fence sitter. <laughs> Listen, no no no. But but how so what do you do you, you're basically into an almost another argument because you know Josh is saying she's a better passer setter maybe server you're saying she's not maybe way better server you're saying she's a better attacker blocker i'm saying that her contribution to the team to the success of their team and her own success is she's got the lion's share of that wow bold i hope people are clicking on this because that's a bold clickbait statement that's a a bold that's a bold take i I mean i i don't know well then why would you say that heather's not better than melissa Wait, what? Well, like I don't get the the correlation. Heather's been to two Olympics. Like Heather's had tons of success. Sarah brought her to the Olympics. But I mean, Heather then went to the Olympics again with Brandy. Right. Like what? Yeah. Like I don't don't get the argument. I don't get the argument for uh, for Mel on that team. You're talking just just skilled. Like she's a better setter. Like passes well. Like has better ball control. well, Melissa's think- better statistically. I think she's won more tournaments. Like whatever metric you want to use, I think Melissa's ahead of Heather. Oh, other yeah, than Olympics. Yeah. No, no. That that's fine. And maybe by the end of the career, like if Mel goes again and Heather doesn't, like maybe they're the same. But as of right now, I don't think just because Heather's been to more Olympics makes her better than Mel. Oh no, I'm not trying to make that argument about Heather. I'm talking about Sarah. Yeah, I don't know where your your argument went there. I got I got very confused. Yeah, but you got lost. Did you find your way back? I kind of got yeah. lost along the way there. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it happens when you're on the fence. It's hard to find your sense of direction because you're not sure where the heck you are. All right, so help me help me with the math here, guys. Let's solve the conversation. So Sarah is 34 according to BBB and started playing beach full time in 2013. So how how old was she when she made the switch? Well, seven years, so she'd be 27, 28. So you're saying that an indoor athlete can transfer after the age of 25 and be a world-class beach player. Like if they don't, like, I think her physical gifts shorten that path, but I don't think every athlete can make that decision where your first example of 16 year olds going beach full time. I think they, our our skill is, our sport is very situational, very skill-based where I think the more time you have in it, like you're, you're going to go there. And as our sport grows in popularity, like Jake brought up the hockey example. I don't think if you're playing triple A by 15, it's going to be really hard to make the NHL. And it might seem like the NHL is a long way away, but if you're not one of the best 15-year-olds, it's going to be really hard. It's, it's not. Yeah, it's, it's, it's very rare. Maybe volleyball, the line was a little bit shorter when Sarah started, but now with the NCAA's popularity, now with like uh, provincial teams and national teams, because Garrett, sometimes like I think you were one of the first eras to have a beach provincial team in Ontario, and we were a, a beach-leading province, right? So I think more opportunities have grown to maybe shorten that line where I, I think Sarah's done a terrific job. I'm not sh- just convinced that every year Volleyball Canada should be opening the door to 27-year-olds to try to make this switch. All right. Well, I'll, I'll transfer to my second argument then because I think Jake's fence sitting hindered on the idea that volleyball and well, volleyball are so different that they're, that they're no, you know. No, I was My argument was a blocker and a defender is so different. If you want to argue who's the better side oh, yeah. of player. Blocker and defender are very different for sure. And it, d- it definitely matters like 
you know, what side you play, who's getting served, that sort of thing. Absolutely. For but, sure. Uh, but I'm saying those are all those are all factors that I think, you know, where like Josh is sitting behind her being the best defender, best passer, best setter argument. But I mean, Sarah's watching Sarah. Her passing and settings also pretty, pretty freaking phenomenal. So, yeah, I mean, um, we're, we're not going to solve the argument of who's better between our world championship team. I don't think I think that's <laughs> a tough, a tough argument to really find a true answer at. Um, but what I'm saying is for um, for indoor and beach, they're not so different that the skills you work on in your offseason that you're playing indoor are going to translate to beach and the beach are going to translate to indoor in a big way. Different than you would say, because you use the hockey example, Josh, about people focusing on hockey. If you're not the best 13 year old, 15 year old, whatever, you're not going to make it. Well, it's like, OK, well, sure. But in beach and indoor, if you're not the best beach player at 16, but you're a great indoor player, that doesn't eliminate you from either. You know, it's a later blooming sport for, for sure. sure. For and sure. the skills are so transferable. And in my opinion, beach is heading in the direction of indoor in terms of the physicality required to really compete at a high level above the net. And that's stuff that indoor values and you actually need to in indoor to get the job done. You need to be hitting at a high point. You need to be serving aggressively. You need to be handling balls at a high speed. And uh, I think the more you can do that as a beach player, you're just going to put yourself forward. So this early movement, like you're just going to be digging roll shots for five years. You're going to get great at that when you're 21, but you haven't seen a full paced woman or man unleashing their full weight of the ball behind it because you you only really get that indoors right well i think an interesting an interesting argument though as well is how how much the males especially just because i i you know coaching watching male indoor volleyball is a ton of hand passing come out to the beach you're not allowed to hand pass that's another thing it's a lot of you know yes hard driven a lot of tipping in indoor a lot of do your own type of job where on the beach volleyball game, you have to be a lot more well-rounded. So I'm not saying that it's not possible, but you do look, I do look out there and I say, I see some indoor players that are very skilled, very well-rounded in Gapeth, for example, you know, incredible ball control. You see him out, you see him, you know, jump setting, you see him attacking, you see him, he's got great vision. Those type of players I think are going to have a lot easier time transferring over than somebody who, you know, is a middle blocker that hasn't passed or set a ball in, in an X amount of well, time. Well, you so should tell Will Hoey, your factors. partner, that, that he's in trouble, I guess. But he's been playing beach volleyball, you know, for... Right! He's playing like, both! Because he's getting the bit, he's getting what he needs. Well, I think if we're going to add more anecdotal evidence with the summer program this year, Gary, we've had some guys who have not really played beach before. They're just really good indoor studs. And, and I agree with you. I think the, the beach peers say the game's so different. I think at a domestic level... The, the kid we got who was a really heck of an indoor player, like representing Team Canada Indoor and then came to the beach around eight, uh, eight weeks, got really, really good and started to figure it out where I, maybe at the, the international level, like what, how long did it take Sarah? Maybe two years, maybe Alex Kleiman, maybe two years. Alex Kleiman had early success and then kind of struggled and then got on it. So well, maybe yeah, it's like a couple of years at the world tour I level. Mean, Yes. So it's not impossible. Right. Like I think, again, the beach peers are like, oh, no, it's totally different games, Gary. It's it's this or this. Like, I think if you're a university player and you're thinking about beach and you're not really sure if you if you commit a full season, a full summer, even you'll see improvement and you'll feel like you belong, I think. Okay, so to get to the crux of the argument, then, because we've diverged hugely, which is fine. But to get to the crux of the argument, where do you guys sit on that? Because I'm saying like, hey, play both as long as makes sense physically and logistically. Like if if you have time, if you have the physical ability, you're not hurting and that sort of thing to play both, play them as long as you can. So for some people, that might mean finishing university. Some that might mean even going even longer. Um, Some people play pro indoor and then play a few beach tournaments pro. Like there's a lot of different options there, but I that would be my opinion. But would you guys be on the side of saying to recommend to a kid, hey, at 16 or 17, like, yeah, commit to one or the other. I think it's tough in Canada. And again, to use the males, like if they committed to beach full time, they're they're going to go seven, eight months without competition, which I think is an important thing about development. Like, who are they training with? Like, do they have a coach and a training group or is it like Garrett and Mark at Beach Blast? Like, are you getting better by yourself versus are you getting Wait, coached up? You, in an did indoor you just toss out Garrett and Mark at Beach Blast as like it's not good? That's the pinnacle. Well, 
I would actually like to hear more about your 18 new year, because I think when you wanted to be world champion, but you were still a heck of a club player, right? Where I think like the environment matters, where I think in, in Canada, you're giving up a lot to be a beach full-time player, especially on the dude side. Like, cause I, I think competition, I think the, the facilities we're in in the winter is as much as I love Downsview, it can be pretty draining sometimes no, think, on your energy. Yeah. Like there, there's a lot of stuff that goes into it. So for Garrett, when you designed that year or, or your dad had a big input cause he was your indoor coach, what was that year like? Because you did beach and indoor and it overlapped quite a bit where sometimes I hear from indoor coaches I don't want my players doing beach it changes their approach it changes this it changes that where it's like they're more the same than they are different and I think you got to just manage the load properly about going back and forth because you were you were probably training volleyball what five six seven times a week at that point yeah we were doing uh well we, then you don't do indoor practice every day you only have two indoor practices a week potentially some teams have three we had two and I do two nights a week beach I mean it was four practices a week only that I got right I mean you have tournaments and stuff like that but it's not crazy to think about practicing four yeah. times a week right like no, for an 18 year old as well for an 18 year old club athlete like you know if you only get two practices a week indoors you definitely can be playing beach twice a week it doesn't change like, you'll yeah, be fine totally. Totally. No, I, I fully, I fully agree with you there. I think that like Josh said on the men's side, committing to beach full time at that age is just, it's just not feasible. It's not possible. So why is it different for women then? Why should it be different for women just because they can go NCAA? It's the same principle. I think the turnaround is four years faster though. To what? Turn around to them playing on the world tour? But I, I think that for the club, they, they can be doing what you were like, what you're talking about, where they have a system where they're yeah, these kids are indoors. quitting club to focus full time beach. Yeah, it's a tough that's a tough I mean, like you said, you could be playing twice a week. Um, you could be playing twice a week indoor, twice a week beach and then still getting those competitions on the weekend because yeah. those girls that are quitting are not getting the competition that they need. Right. And so I think we have a solid competition-based winter for these athletes, which I mean is hard in an indoor facility for sure, because it's not the same. I, I, I got to side with Garrett here and say that they can definitely be doing more because the indoor demands that we have at HNU are just not that high. Once we, you start playing indoor university, as you know, Garrett, it's, you know, five days a week, you know, it's two matches on the weekend. It's a totally different load that I think that kids aren't ready for at all to jump from their 18U to university careers that's a different argument though but i think that there's room to be doing doing both throughout for sure for sure and i i think it takes the coaches to allow the athlete like to be athlete centered and let them do both because i i'm telling you right now there's indoor coaches who won't allow their athletes to do that but I, I, the reason i think the lineup is quicker for the women with the ncaa is you're trying to earn a scholarship and spots are limited like they have the five dual teams and not they're not fully funded programs they don't have a scholarship for everybody so you're competing with the californias especially but the like i think texas beach volleyball is popping off arizona you're playing against athletes who are training full-time year-round so i think if you're getting the specific beach stuff like there's enough there that you're training against full-time athletes trying to fight for the same scholarship that would be maybe why i think the the line's a little bit shorter for the women to commit to beach early but i I agree with you garrett i think you're still getting a lot by the indoor experience that to just turn your back on it and say i'm beach full-time i don't know if that helps you pass these california athletes or anyone else i'm not i'm not sure now i'm fence sitting now (laughs) when you're going when you're talking about the california athletes as well right they're training outside the whole entire the whole entire year and there's tournaments all throughout the year for those for those younger girls as well so committing to full-time beach in california is a lot different than committing to full-time beach in canada obviously so so i'm i'm on the point and i'm going to go even one step further i think even them shouldn't be committing to one over the other i think playing indoor is that beneficial to your beach game especially for the women where we seem to especially in canada on our teams who aren't at the top lost the art of pounding it hard hitting a hard hit whereas indoor you have that what wait you're not roll shotting to win champion you gotta hit the freaking ball and we seem to lose that when we go to the beach oh yeah we'll just hit a bunch of roll shots because we have more space absolutely hit roll shots do it but at the highest level people are feasting you see him pounding on two you see him getting the high ball hitting around a single block like if you're hitting around a double block indoor, you go to the beach. It's like, yeah, I'm just pounding away. Like build that expectation by playing indoor is I think it way too beneficial to ignore it in your early part of your career, especially when you're not ready to play on the world tour. Like you're not an adult yet to go and play on the world tour, like 21, 22. Um, you're not, if, if you're ready, great, go do it, commit fully, make your money. But if you're not quite ready, like, Let's get some action going. Let's get some competition. Like, let's get some indoor going. 
Well, I agree with you, Garrett. As a guy who loves stats, one of our KPIs is is the men's numbers increase. That, it, that over sixty percent of the time, it's a hard driven ball now on the men's. Like if you divide it into roll shots, uh, pokies, or tips, and hard driven, it's over sixty percent of the time the top fifteen teams in the world are hitting the ball. At least on the guy side, I haven't looked at the women. But since we're using anecdotal evidence, I'll just throw this wrench in here because apparently I'm on the other side of you. What would you say to the Russia model where they identified Stoyanovsky as a unicorn and they said beach full time? You're going to CVs. You're going to youth worlds even when you're 17 you're going to play u21 youth worlds we're going to strap a rocket to you you're going to go to everything and guess what they got a 24 year old who was a world champion and they got a silver medal at the olympics so they went front of the line strap a rocket to you you're beach full time let's get this guy going and i think there, there's something to say same. for that model sometimes too right mullen sorum same same model playing cevs in world tour f15 yeah well i mean you, you can't argue with with results i mean they're they're winners i mean they won They've done some great stuff. So it's hard to argue with that. But I mean, I would say, well, then why the hell aren't we doing that with our unicorns? Well, why didn't you? You won Youth Worlds before you went to university and then you went and played indoor with the Mustangs. Why didn't you just go beach full time? I'm not I'm not a unicorn. That I wasn't a unicorn. That's the thing, right? I'm not I'm not Stoyanovsky. I'm not 6'10 or whatever lurk guy way up there. Like I'm six foot three guy trying to make my way. Like I had to go to indoor because I had to. Be, I had to become a man. I had to grow up. So we're bringing back tall maples and we're not letting them play indoor. You would lose your mind, Garrett, if we did that right now. Well, hey, not if it works. <laughs> so give me eight years then, I guess. Give me, give me eight. Hey, I'd give you eight years, Josh. I mean, hey, you're a good friend, Garrett. You're Let's good. go. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't, though, because I'm saying like that. My argument is those guys would I wouldn't say they'd be better like they win. They're winners, like, but they would still have benefited from playing indoor. And I'll throw out a suggestion here because the model in Canada has often been and when you're in high school, you play club from September to May, which is a lot of the year. And then you play beach for much less of the year. And that's because of weather here. Right. Mm -hmm. So. Imagine somebody graduates from university, though, and who's maybe a later bloomer, a physical athlete. Why wouldn't they play beach from those same months, eight months, play beach and then have a two to three month indoor season? Doing some I don't know. We don't have any we don't have that available even because nobody does that. Right. Like. What if they play yeah, in the one volleyball league in the, you know, the old re reverse? Yeah, like flip that. It like we do it in club for indoor. Why wouldn't we flip that for somebody who's maybe a bit more beach focused, but give them some indoor push? Because I think in the grand picture of things, I think indoor drives us here in Canada because the numbers are ridiculous. Like, yeah. uh, I don't know what the actual ratio is, but it's got to be hundreds to one about the amount of kids playing indoor versus the amount of kids playing yeah. beach. Right. And then it, it, it'd be a tough sell based on our infrastructure. But I think. Yeah, I think you're onto something where I think people can take beach more seriously, but you, I think the compliment is there. Garrett, you sold me. You sold me, Garrett. I yes. think in Canada, you play both. Yes, <laughs> we did it. Jake's still sitting on the fence. Okay. What? No, I didn't I have... what Logan did to me. We were one and one and Jake was in the middle. Now I've hopped over here. Jake's on one side. Yeah, absolutely. We gang well, up on Jake I, and we win. I, I we win this argument. No, nope. remember agreeing with Garrett at the start. Yes. The start. Okay. Yes, absolutely. Okay. I have one more topic that I wanted to get to that's kind of related as well. Because um, recently, Josh, you had to do some something. You had to do something that I hate, that we all hate, but you had to do it. You had to pick teams or at least be a part of a group to pick teams to send to our junior world championships and without having a tryout, without seeing any of them. Without Holy, even watching them play. Like, yeah. what are you looking for? How do you do that? I get with COVID, you have to do that, right? My choice would be don't do that. Don't do it. Have a tournament, figure it out. But you had to do that. And I'm with you. You definitely had to do that. So what do you look for? Like, what the heck's going on? Are you even allowed to talk about it? Because Jake and I could just go back and forth about what we're looking for. But I'm curious to hear from the horse's mouth. Well, no, you guys can hop in at any time. I think even in the press release, our high performance director, Ed Drakic, said we would run a tournament if we could. But this right. is the only alternative. And when you get an email from the FIB that says, if you don't have your team submitted by X date, you're not going. And we go, yeah. Whoa. Okay. Like, no, you got, and, and you have to just pick them. I I'm with you a hundred percent there. 
So, and the original idea was they, the, somebody had said around the table, well, let's just nominate. And I go, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, I'm not just going to nominate and pick this team. Let's do an application. Let's do right. video. Let, let's do some stuff. So, I mean, it wasn't a perfect system, but, uh, uh, yeah, I wasn't comfortable, Garrett. I'll, I'll, I'll be honest with you. And there, there was a quote from one of the podcasts I listened to that kind of made me feel a little bit better about this. And it was like, if you're a leader and you don't like problems, well, then leadership isn't for you. So I understood that there was going to be some problems. And I think the level in Canada is good enough that no matter who we chose, there's going to be a couple teams in, in every division who goes, hey, why not us? Like, it was not an easy decision, but uh, we, we had a, a committee. We, we got a grading system. Everybody did their scores independently. And then we just sat around a table and we said, oh, this is this. This is this. Like, you share your scores. And we kind of had a, a group discussion that way. But, I mean, there's no... There's no clean way to do it. I, I reached out to some indoor coaches that uh, went through the same process. And I mean, I don't think anyone enjoys this, Garrett, because like you said, it, the tournament's so evaluation friendly. You win, you go and you do this. Where now you're you're watching video, which and you have to be you have to be aware of everybody's situation because some people are submitting video from 2019 because that's the last time they competed. And maybe in their province, they can't go play a two on two game because of the rules at the time. So yeah. It, don't, don't yeah, I'm not going to stand here and pound my chest and say, well, this was perfect. This is, we did it our way. It's like we were dealt a, a bad hand and a deadline and we came up with a creative solution and we did the best we could with that creative solution where I, I think the, the right decision was made, but um, yeah, it was not a comfortable process being an evaluator in that situation. I'll be honest. Well, Jake and I appreciate your vulnerability and I'm sure our listeners do as well. Cause we were not assuming that you were going to say and pound your chest about how great a system it was. We knew it was a sh- situation so uh, we get i'm curious though and i'm not sure if you're able to talk about it because i know it's kind of behind the scenes and kind of proprietary information but i'm curious like what were some of your biggest challenges in having to deal with that because i mean we get you got to account for context for all these athletes but you've also kind of got to like sift through that you got age like is age a factor like what are some of these things that you're struggling with dealing with when you're in the room with everybody well, age, age yeah. is definitely a factor because it's a U19 and a U21 year. And then uh, I, I wasn't comfortable with the idea of putting two athletes together. So I know, Gary, you played one year with Nick where traditionally the tournament system is you sign up with your buddy. Where I didn't want to say athlete ABC you should go with athlete XYZ and spend your own money to go to Thailand, even though you've never met each other. And I hope you do really well where like sign up with a partner. Um, I think the hardest thing was really boiling down the context of the video. And what I mean by that is like just like our discussion about who's better, Melissa or Sarah, well, they buy like need each other but you gotta have a way like which partner's stronger what's the competition like across the net like what yeah, what are we doing the, here that's the stuff and was it like full mat like yeah i'm assuming you're watching full matches because i mean a, hi- a highlight tape is you know not i've seen some for sure yeah highlight, tape, highlight tapes on people and it's like whoa you lo- you lost that match by you know 14 and but you had a few so. great bounces <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> like you looked phenomenal in the 14 points you won. But, you know, you transy set three over yeah, the Yeah, and you folded and, you it. Know, it was 14 you, all. You look great. Then you yeah. lost 21-14. Sorry. That's right. And I, so, so I think that, that that must be like, it must have been hard to, yeah, I'm sorry. But before you answer, like, it must have been hard to be like, how do these athletes deal with pressure? How will these athletes deal? Because that's kind of something all, the tournament always brings out. And, you know, as a person that, you know, definitely wouldn't be sitting here without those, those tournaments and having to earn your own way and win those things. You know, I was never really chosen for anything or told by the national team coach at the time that there was just no way it was possible for me. So I'm very interested to, you know, hear how this all went down for sure. I think looking back, you got to have your criteria spot on. So we asked for, because we, we, predicted a lot of applications we asked for two sets from two different matches so we we couldn't watch two full matches on everybody but we asked for two sets and we wanted it from a different match so at least again you could snoop through the context of it versus like oh we we slap this team and we're going to do this um and and the other thing is well yeah no highlight tapes because uh as ian ebbett told me on passing times when he's doing recruiting for mcmaster he's never seen a bad highlight tape right where you want to see the full (laughs) match you want to see what they do after a bad mistake after what their teammate does well the teammate does poor like you want to look for those situations right so we asked for a full set from two different matches and that's kind of how we tried to like filter through this but yeah it was it was not easy and then how do you compare i don't want to single it to you but how do you compare an athlete playing in their province in their high school twos league versus somebody who played somebody at like a fisu qualifier for the, like this like the understanding the level was really really hard understanding their experience trying to identify like international potential about like okay they're they're this now but what are they going to be because uh, garrett and jake i think one of the biggest problems we have is a lot of other federations use youth world as like a pathway to the national team where 
we've had a ton of mighty mites who are really good at U19 and can ball out and win the tournament. And I don't think I've seen half them since. Right. So you kind of got to be aware of are like, you taking a shot at somebody in particular there, Josh, because uh, you know, mighty mites, I couldn't help but feel a little bit, a little bit attacked here. <laughs> you're you're, you're the tallest guy on the show, Garrett. You're the I was going to say at six, three. Yeah. You're, you're, you're preaching the wrong fire. Oh, you meant like short about- dudes. Yeah, five nine male who can ball out and win a U nineteen trial, but then doesn't play internationally for Canada. Like their career has peaked, right? Which is, uh, I mean, it's going to happen if you're the best U nineteen. You should probably go, but like that doesn't filter into the national team sometimes, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't envy that position. Like, what if somebody did this? Just played a practice match and like had the other team like, like, hey. <laughs> let me look good you know like yeah guys are like, good at editing too now yeah like, like tell them tell them the symbols like so i can make it look like i've identified this cross block and pounded line but i knew yeah. the whole time type thing <laughs> set super tight and just, oh, yeah. you know hit as hard as you can into my partner's my partner's mitts like yeah no that's yeah. call your shots before you hit them i'm gonna chase it down 100 percent of the time i'm gonna look great added out the, that's what i would have done added out the video yeah garrett getting into the tech savvy stuff oh yeah i would have been right in on that yeah i would have had the I, score I overlaid up there and just like boosted it a few times for myself as well i, I hope it didn't it? happen these are all great ideas i hope they didn't happen but i'm not uh and another thing that i'm sorry curious on is like what how much does it impact like obviously you're trying to take bias out but if you've if you've heard about these guys or seen oh sorry hello yeah if you heard about those guys or seen them kind of play before how much of a factor was that like yeah i'm gonna say i wasn't in that position i think that's why i wanted the application thing is if we did nominations for u19 like did for U19 women, I don't I don't know the players and, the, and that's not my portfolio. That's I don't go to the OVA and I don't watch. So I wasn't in that position. But I, I think for other athletes, yeah, you have a certain idea or a certain name pops up or, or you've heard about so and so or or this player, you know, is also on the indoor national team. So it's like, do we try to steal them back? Like, I think that stuff that that comes up. And I think that's why, I, again, like I said, you got to have your criteria at the start really laid out that this is what we're grading on versus like, oh, did you see Garrett May applied? Oh, he has to go. I don't care who he's playing with. Like, we've heard so well, many good things yeah. about this guy, right? Yeah, like, mean, well, no, that that's a given, though, right? <laughs> <laughs> I got, yeah, like, I mean, I got picked twice to go of the of the six I went to. I was just selected twice. You went to six youth worlds? Yeah. Ooh. Two, two, and then one, one. So I went Jake, to. You went to I went to three. Yeah, I went to six. But I earned it every way. Earned it every time. Yep. No, I did. I did not earn it every time. In fact, I'll tell you a funny story. So they had a selection tournament one year, but we were getting three teams for Halifax, right? Because uh, we were hosting, so we were getting three squads. So uh, I entered the tournament with Greg Simone. Shout out, Greg, if you're listening. You're probably not, but he was not one of the top guys. But we we balled out like we were competitive as hell, and we were like giving it. And I was I was giving it everything I had because I was like, man, I I had no partner, no. Nobody wanted to play with me, like nothing. And then after the tournament, uh, Leonard, who was, I guess, picking at the time, was like, Garrett, I really appreciate that you gave it your all and really helped out Greg. I mean, Greg really improved. Like, thank you very much. You're still going. <laughs> and I was like, amazing. I was like, amazing. Thank you, Leonard. Um, I mean, I'd won the tournament two years before. So I was like, I mean, I better be going. Like, are you kidding me? But uh, yeah, they just pick, right? Because when you got a bunch of teams, you just pick them. You couldn't get a partner after you had won world champs. I know. Well, it, of the age, right? I mean, anyway. And and actually, the year I won, I, we we didn't have a selection tournament either. Like, I like it was just kind of put the teams together. So Sam was going to go with Dan, and I was not even going to go, maybe. And... Then Dan got injured and like, okay, yeah, let's make this happen. And then you go, that's it. No tournament, nothing. 
see, I, I'm, I wasn't around enough in that area to know the conversations or to understand like, was VC getting heat for this or was it just the way it is like the coach selection? Because I, I imagine when our, when it goes public and our teams are announced, I'm going to get some angry emails. Like I, I just, somebody's going to be let down where it sounds like in your era, Garrett, it just sounds like Leonard made a decision and everybody was okay with it. Or maybe, maybe he took some arrows in the background. I have no idea. I'm sure they did. I'm sure there was a lot of heat. I mean, I was okay with it cause I was the one getting, uh, getting picked, but I'm sure they, they got some heat for that, especially in the years that, uh, they didn't have a tournament or the tournament order didn't determine all the teams. Like we had a year where the tournament, if you won, you got to go, but then there was two teams cause we hosted twice in a row. So like, you know, you didn't, you know, they already had one team determined and then they picked another, but then they could pick two teams. Like it was kind of weird. Right. So I, I know that those conversations are super challenging and I know the criteria that, that you use. I'm curious, like, were there any on there that you thought you were thinking, nah, this is tough. Like, like does, is age a factor? Like, do you have past results? Like, do you, does that stuff play a factor? Uh, they did list the results. To be honest, it was so hard to weigh because of, of COVID, right? So like one one of the indoor coaches, I won't say him by name, but he said, why wouldn't you just send whoever won nationals? And I was like, but if we did that for U21, you're looking at who won 18 U nationals two years ago and you're trying yeah. to negotiate and say they are the rightful owner of the U21 spot. Like so much has changed physically, mentally. Are they even playing with the same partner? Do they even play beat? And if you're good at that age, you don't play your age nationals. You play adult. And, and I'll choose my words carefully here because I'm a big believer in nationals. Like I, I've ran it a, a few years when I was at the OVA. I'm a volleyball Canada staff person right now. But I think with our country's geography, I'm not sure nationals every year is all the best teams because uh, I witnessed it uh, when we're in Ontario. It, it's a heavy Ontario event. And then when it was in BC, thankfully, like guys like Jake and a rich and those guys went out there. But we didn't we didn't reciprocate all the Ontario teams who had played nationals the year before didn't go to BC nationals. So there's no perfect place to host it that it's like this inclusive thing. And, you know, if you win. U21 nationals, you are the best U21 team in the country because you can always be negative Nancy and say, oh, this team wasn't here. This team wasn't here. Like it doesn't always fit. Right. Winnipeg. We're going to hold the tournament in Winnipeg, the center, the armpit of Canada. And it'll solve all our problems. There you go. Well, I think actually the lesson from today's episode, guys, and yeah, we're, we reached the end time um, is that I managed to convince Josh to take my side on an issue. I mean, I think that's got to be a, an epic victory for fans out there of me. Uh, and I appreciate you. Uh, Jake, thanks for coming on, man. I mean, it's always, you always got some intellectual things to say. You're raising the IQ, I think, of the arguments, yeah. which we're not really used to. So it threw me off when you're trying to bring logic and reason to these arguments. Josh is trying to use numbers, not working, right? So, I mean, well done. Thanks for coming on. Anything else you want to say to the folks at home who are still listening? We know Josh Binstock is still listening. So thanks, Josh, for listening. He was our guest last week. Jake, anything you want to shout out? Uh, nope. Just, uh, I think no matter what it is, indoor beach, whatever, get out and play, especially in, in these times, you know, I feel bad for the kids that kind of got short-sighted in their club and, you know, just get out and play and let's get the sport growing out here in Canada and let's, let's get that national tour going. All right, Josh, anything, anything you got to say? Well, I'm just going to build on your point to Jake to know your audience, right? I'm trying to use facts and figures and stuff, but Garrett doesn't care anything about that. But the emotional argument, the the intellect, he really he knew his audience. And that's why he won today's episode. He was the best today. So thanks for coming on, Jake. Garrett, come on. Come on. <laughs> yes. Yes, guy. We knew it. Thank you, Josh. Wow. This is like you guys we're all so nice after we just argued for an hour. I mean, hey, well done. Thanks, everybody, for listening again. We're on YouTube. Sharp Cuts Volleyball. Josh, have you subscribed to our own channel yet, buddy? I don't know if I, I'm going to do Are that Are you right kidding now, me? I, no. I did like. Let's go, bud. Comment. You got to uh, smash that did. like button and subscribe. Friend of the show, Lisa Tam, commented first. Then I laughed and I clicked like on it because Lisa's been commenting. You on liked the comment, but you didn't subscribe to your own channel. Yeah, where's the button, Garrett? That Can you big tell me? red one, bro. <laughs> oh, my goodness. It's that big red button. Jake, you better go subscribe right now and comment down below and say second or something. I don't know. Garrett, do you subscribe to the audio versions? Like, are you part of my downloads for the, yes. For the audio? Yes, oh, 100%. Okay, okay. I got you. I got you. Yeah, I five-started too, as you all should if you're still listening. Thank you so much for joining us. I think that'll do it. We'll see you all next time.